Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Quick note before we begin, the Finding Genius Foundation, as part of the Finding Genius Podcast, has recently completed a book about understanding viruses. So the creation of this book was to interview 100 virologists, ask them a lot of deep, difficult questions, take the most difficult questions, and then re-interview the top 25 or so and ask them the hardest questions I could think of. And we compiled that all into a book. So you'll see question and four or five experts' answers. Question, four or five experts' answers. There's about 30 questions in the book. I think it's a great read for the layperson and for the researcher. talks about a lot of speculation in the world of viruses, such as are they alive or not, and why is it important? Uh, Why do viruses go latent or hidden or ineffective or sit in a person or an animal or another creature for weeks, months, years? and then suddenly become virulent and affect that person. Uh, so there's a lot of really provocative questions in the book. It's now on Amazon. So if you go to Amazon and type in Finding Genius, you'll see the book on viruses. It's also on Kindle. The Audible version is in production and should be ready in approximately a month. But if you want to go and order it now, uh, you can do so again by going to Amazon or Kindle or go, go to findinggeniusfoundation.org and go to Publications. There's an opportunity as well to get the transcripts of all the interviews and to hear the original interviews themselves. If we had put them all together, the book would be about a thousand pages, but we condensed them down to make it juicy and concise and tight and very interesting. So I hope you'll check out the book. Uh, we're now working on one about cancer, but this is going to be our goal is uh, three times a year to come out with these masterclass books that I think will inspire new scientific research. And I hope you'll check it out. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Mary T. Newport. She's an author. We're going to talk about restoring brain function uh, by using coconut or MCT oil, people with Alzheimer's. And there's a case study she'll talk about. So Mary, thank you for coming. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, Richard. How are you? Good, good. Tell me about your, uh, your, your background. What got you interested in Alzheimer's and coconut oil? Yeah, well, my background is I'm a physician. I'm an MD. I um, grew up in Cincinnati. Um, I uh, studied basically um, pediatrics and then um, newborn intensive care, neonatology, and practiced as a neonatologist in newborn intensive care units for 30 years in Florida. And more recently, I uh, was doing home visits, uh, doing hospice and doing um, home health risk assessments, you know, with people that have um, chronic illnesses and that type of thing. So my interest happened when my husband, Steve, began to have memory problems when he was about 51 years old. And Steve was an accountant. Um, we got married actually while I was still in college. <laughs> and he, we were married for 10 years before we had children. He wanted to, we wanted to have kids, but he was worried about my job, you know, the emergencies and everything. So he volunteered to stay at home. So he actually worked as an accountant from home, which was awesome. But then when he was around 51 years old, this meticulous perfectionist accountant suddenly started having problems with uh, memory, procrastinating, not getting quarterly tax returns done, all you know those types of things. And 
you know, I'm thinking, oh, midlife crisis, maybe. <laughs> but then it became more serious. And he started forgetting if he'd been to the bank and the post office, really, you know, those types of problems uh, were kind of a tip off that something was wrong. And so at first, his, his, uh, it was a neuropsychiatrist evaluated him and mentioned dementia, but he felt more likely it was related to depression. And it turned out that depression was more than likely related to being aware that he was developing dementia. And, but he was officially diagnosed in 2004 with um, Alzheimer's disease, early onset. So he was only four years old at that point. And this is something you think of, you know, with much older people. So he, um, you know, continued to get worse. The average um, lifespan from diagnosis is about seven years. And so we were getting into 2007, going downhill very rapidly, couldn't drive, couldn't even use a calculator anymore. And in 2008, you know, um, we finally had some clinical trials come along and I, you know, uh, entered him into two clinical trials and I happened to be on the internet reading about risks uh, and benefits of these two drugs that he was going to try to get into clinical trials for. And I happened upon a press release for a uh, medical food that was going to come out in about a year, but it had had excellent results in terms of improving the memory and cognitive performance in people with Alzheimer's, like almost half of them, with, um, even with a single dose they saw improvement and it didn't say what it was or what it did. So I got, I found their patent application and I learned that it was simply MCT oil, medium chain triglyceride oil. And I learned that it was extracted from coconut oil. And I was, I I knew what it was because I used it in my practice as a newborn specialist. We used to add MCT oil to the feedings of our tiniest preemies to help them grow faster. And then they actually started adding it to the infant formulas and it's in you know, infant formulas for, for preemies. And then uh, it's extracted from coconut oil. Coconut oil is in almost every infant formula, commercial formula in the world. So anyway, the reason why this could help somebody with Alzheimer's is that when you consume MCT oil, part of it is converted to ketones. And ketones are an alternative fuel to the brain for the brain. Uh, an alternative to glucose. And um, so if you're eating a typical American diet, you know, which tends to be very high in carbohydrate, you know, basically functioning off of glucose as your primary fuel and your brain does as well. The brain's very active. It needs a huge amount of energy every day. And so we don't usually have ketones floating around. (laughs) Most of us who eat, if we eat that way. So in Alzheimer's, There's a problem where certain areas of the brain are insulin resistant. They're not getting glucose into brain cells in specific areas of the brain. And so if there aren't ketones available, there's basically no fuel. And it probably accounts for a lot of um, the deterioration that's going on over time. Just a lack of fuel. If you think about, you know, if your car doesn't have gasoline, it can be a perfectly fine car, but if you don't put gasoline in it, it's not going to run. So, you know, the brain and the cells in the brain need fuel to run. So anyway, the idea with the MCT oil was that if you consume it, it would produce ketones and provide ketones to the brain. So this group that was developing the product uh, did a couple studies. One was a single dose study, and they they actually did see improvement. And then they um, did a study that was 90 days for most of the people. They continued it for six months 
and they found that that they did have a sustained improvement over time. And other studies since then have been done with MCT oil. Some of them fairly recently um, showing that it does, you know, many people with Alzheimer's will improve if they eat MCT oil. So anyway, I had this idea to give this to my husband and, but I didn't know I could get MCT oil, you know, at the time I thought I was going to have to wait for this prescription. And um, so I got coconut oil and I found out that it was about 60% medium chain triglycerides, MCTs, and decided to try that, you know. So what happened was I learned all of this. It was getting to be about 1 a.m. the morning, you know, before he was supposed to be screened later that morning for the clinical trial. And he did very poorly. He got a score of only 14 out of 30 points on a memory test, and he needed 18 points. So he didn't get in and the doctor had him draw a clock, which is a test for Alzheimer's, the clock test. And he, it was very weird looking. It was just just a few random circles and a few scattered numbers. And she told me he was on the verge of severe Alzheimer's. So on the way home, I picked up coconut oil, figured out how much to give him to try to be equivalent to that medical food. And the next day he was trying out again for a different clinical trial and he was in a different city different day, you know, and he gained four points. He re- knew what city he was in, what, what floor he was on in the, and uh, remembered the day of the week and the season, you know, a few things like that, that he couldn't remember the day before. And he got into the trial. So it's like, okay, well, something happened here. And um, was it really the coconut oil? Or was it just good luck? Or, you know, what was it? But so I kept it going. And I just, I started increasing it. I thought, you know, if your brain what, what happens with MCT oil is um, the ketone levels go up, they kind of peak around an hour and a half, maybe two hours, and they're pretty much gone by about three hours or so after you eat it. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click on support us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. And I, and this medical food was going to be one dose a day. And I'm thinking, what does the brain do the other 21 hours a day? <laughs> you know, if it yeah. needs ketones for three hours, it needs it for 24 hours. So started giving it to them with each meal and then eventually added MCT oil to the coconut oil when I found out I could get it. And he just steadily improved. I mean, some of his improvement was so immediate that within four or five days, we felt like our life had changed. That well, what, did, what did you notice specifically? What was the improvement like? Yeah, so he improved uh, the score on that test, but then he just, he said it was like a light switch came on in his brain. He told me that many times. And um, in the morning, like before he started the coconut oil, he would be very slow. He could, he really couldn't even pick up his feet and run anymore. He had a really stiff, stiff, kind of weird gait, you know, that he would kind of slowly pick up his feet and walk. He would barely talk in the morning. He'd be very confused, you know, like if he'd try to get a spoon out of the drawer, he'd 
bring a knife and then he'd get upset that he got a knife and he'd try again over and over and over. Couldn't figure out how to get water out of the dispenser from the refrigerator, you know, um, just real simple things like that. Couldn't finish a sentence and um, really, and he had tremors too. He would have a tremor when he tried to talk. He would have a tremor when he was eating, you know, his hand would start shaking when he was bringing it up to his mouth, the food. And all of that stopped fairly quickly. He just, the tremors went away, uh, except sometimes we'd see it a little bit in the morning before he had his coconut oil, and then it would go away within about 20 or 30 minutes. The facial tremor completely went away, never did see that again. He was just much more alert. He would start whistling. He would, much more talkative, smile on his face, you know, um, his personality seemed to come back and he could finish sentences. Uh, I, it just was really flabbergasting. And, you know, did you talk to his doctor and stuff and explain the coconut oil you were giving or did you yeah. keep it quiet? No, no. Um, I did, you know, I did tell, uh, his doctors about, it. I told everybody about it at the time and, you know, it was, he, he drew a clock again, a couple weeks, like about two weeks after he started the coconut oil. And this time the whole circle, all the numbers were there. It was much more organized, like a clock. You could tell it's a clock. He had many, many hands of the clock, (laughs) like dozens of hands of the clock. And um, about a month after that, it uh, improved even more. So um, it was obvious that something was happening and the other family members noticed it too. We went to visit and they're like, he had been like a wallflower. He barely talked to anybody the year before. And this time he was engaged in conversation. He was laughing. He was understanding jokes and even making jokes, you know, and that kind of thing. They're like, whoa, what happened? And so I had brought his clocks along and I showed uh, (laughs) some of our family members and they're like, holy cow, you know, and um, I did start talking to Dr. Richard Beach too, like almost right away. Hmm. He is a world expert on ketones. Well, he passed away, sadly. Um, a little over a recently, year. right? Yeah, a little uh, at the end of January 2016. He um, How long did he make it though? He was like super old, right? He was 84. Okay, and, well, that's not yeah, too he, bad. Yeah, he was still working at the NIH. He was determined to see this whole thing with ketones through and he had uh, gone to speak at a conference and came home and died in his chair. Yeah, so very sad. But we got to be actually really good friends. I got to visit there a number of times. Steve came with me too several times to visit his lab there at the NIH and near Washington, D.C. But, you know, early on, I, I called him because I was, I mean, I was just, I started reading everything I could get my hands on about ketones. And, and I found his name, I found his phone number, called him. He answered the phone himself, which was amazing. And um I told him first, I just asked him the first time I talked to him, I said, theoretically, do you think coconut oil could help somebody with Alzheimer's? And if you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. And he goes, well, you know, and then he told me that he had talked with the people that developed the medical food, the MCT food a few years before, and he really didn't think the levels of ketones would be high enough to make a difference. He was just shocked, you know, um, you know, I sent him, I think our second conversation, I sent him Steve's, um, I faxed him the, his clocks, the the first clock and the the second one at two weeks, it was so much 
he was amazed. He called me, he said, this is unexpected. And so he started sending me all kinds of papers that he had written and other people had written. And he had me talk with some of the fathers of (laughs) ketone research, Uh, Dr. George Cahill Jr., who he was the one that discovered that ketones become elevated during starvation, during fasting and starvation, and that the brain runs off of ketones. He was the one that discovered this, that um, there's this alternative fuel that the brain can use you know, when you haven't eaten, when your sugar is depleted in your body stores, you know, and Dr. Theodore Van Italy, um, I got to know him quite well. He died at 99 about wow. a year and a half ago. He wrote the foreword to my last book that I wrote. Um, It'd be weird if he passed away at 99 and 364 days. And- he was still publishing. He was still publishing uh, during that last year on ketones and the therapeutic, you know, uh, implications of using ketones. Um, so Dr. Veach was developing a ketone ester at the time and just getting, um, having great difficulty getting funding to produce it and to do any clinical trials, you know, that, that was the big battle then. And, and so, um, I got involved in trying to, to that effort, you know, we, we actually went to Congress, he and I and Dr. Cahill to try to talk with, um, one of the representatives, um, from my state, which is Florida, you know, about trying to get more funding, you know, for this particular research. And uh, it was, uh, it was a frustrating thing, you know, because he tried and tried and tried. I wrote my first book really to try to get attention for that idea, how ketones could help and that the, you know, research was desperately needed really to study this for Alzheimer's. So why do the ketones help biochemically? Have you figured out or learned what's, what's happening? Yes. Yes. So ketones are another fuel for the brain. And they, they basically enter the same pathway as glucose to make the energy molecule ATP. So ATP is, um, it's an energy molecule that virtually every cell in our body needs to carry out its functions. And there's the, it's, it's a very extensive multiple step chemical pathway leading up to making ATP, but glucose and ketones enter what's called the, the TCA cycle the Krebs cycle that then generates, um, you know, ultimately leads to generating ATP. And one there, there's Dr. Stephen Kunain has done some amazing work with this. He's in uh, at Sherbrooke University in Canada, and he has been using ketone and glucose PET scans, studying people to, and, and you know, basically he's studying uh, adults of all ages, young through elderly adults. And one thing that they learned fairly quickly was that there's a gap in energy as you age uh, between how much energy your brain needs and how much it actually gets. So like an older person, even if their memory and everything is normal, they might have a seven to 9% gap in the, of energy that the brain isn't getting that it needs, Uh, which could explain some of the aging process. You know, we, our brain slowly, slowly shrinks over time. And, you know, people, I mean, there is this age-related memory impairment, you know, people often do um, not, their memory isn't as sharp as they get older, and it, it that may be a factor. So then um, when he began studying Alzheimer's, they found that the areas of the brain that have poor glucose uptake in Alzheimer's have normal ketone uptake. So, which indicates the neurons are there. They just are like the cars, you know, perfectly good car with no fuel in the tank. 
And if you can provide ketones, you can bypass that problem of insulin resistance and provide energy to these um, cells in the brain. My question here, um, what's the efficacy of someone having ketones because of MCT oil and still eating whatever they want, you know, high carb, et cetera, okay. versus them doing a low carb diet and having this? Yeah. So it works. Like, like Steve, at first, um, we were eating kind of a Mediterranean diet. It was lower carb than the average diet, but it wasn't very low carb, I wouldn't say. So, so even if you eat a high carb diet, when you eat MCT oil, some of it will be converted to ketones. So if you combine that with a low carb diet, your ketone levels can get higher. And what Dr. Kunain has found is the higher your ketone levels are in your blood, the more energy ketones provide to the brain. There's, it's almost what they call a linear relationship, you know, it goes up in a line, you know, the more you eat, you know, uh, the higher the levels get uh, in blood and the higher than the levels get in the brain. So uh, he's studying, just starting to study ketone salts now. Um, and he would like to study the ketone ester. They're having trouble finding a, a good placebo. You have to have a placebo. <laughs> See um, how it affects people who get it versus those that do not get it. And well, why can't the placebo just be, uh, you know, something that looks like coconut oil, but you know, has well, nothing in it? Yeah. So in this case, he's trying to study the ketone ester, which actually tastes very bad. It has a very distinctive taste. Oh, yeah. So the placebo has to be something that would taste bad, well, um, hard. you know, something that people, you know, they wouldn't be able to tell if it was a ketone ester or not, you know, putting it into capsules might be a possibility. Um, Dr. Beach didn't think it could be put into capsules, but these days there are different types of materials that capsules can be made out of. And it, it's yeah, but if someone like, has never um, had a ketone ester, how would they know what it tastes like? So oh, why would it, you have to mimic the taste of it if they've never had one, you know? Well, because, I mean, it's so distinctive. It has to be similar. Like when they test MCT oil, like when Dr. Kunain tests it, he, he uses this lactose-free skim milk and they emulsify it and they put like for the, they put it into this milk, the MCT oil and the placebo still has that milk, but they put a different type of oil in it and it tastes identical, you know? Okay. So they have to keep things pretty equal. And, um, you know, uh, if people know, which most people probably would, that the ketone ester tastes bad. I mean, if they're going into a study, they're going to research this, you know, it, it's hard to even describe. It's a little bit of a combination of taking vinegar and vodka. I've, I've tried them. Yeah. I've had yeah. Uh, keto force, which is supposed to have no flavor. And then i I put a little bit of lemon juice and a little bit of water in it and drink it. And it's like uh-huh. a really nasty margarita, but it's yes, there you go. Yeah. So, so like, it's like pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. And um, the other problem is that um, he said that um, I guess they, they have checked it out with a few people or something. And some people with Alzheimer's might just spit it out. In fact, my, one yeah, of my daughters, uh, she tried it and she just, she couldn't even swallow it. She spit it out. That's what kids do when they don't like something. They just, I see little kids, they just open their mouth and the food falls out, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So this is a 35 year old that spit out the ketones. Oh, and, yeah, I understand. If it's gross yeah, enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're like, blah, you know? Yeah. So it's hard to do a study with it. That's one of the issues, <laughs> but if it could be in capsules, that could make a big difference. If it could yeah. be in capsules, cause then you wouldn't taste it at all. So anyway, uh, I know that work's being done on that. So hopefully something like that will happen soon because you can get much, the thing about the ketone esters, you can get much, much, much higher levels 
than you can with MCT oil. And so therefore potentially more energy to the brain. Yeah. So that's so, uh, what, so what has been done, what kind of trials have been done to, to study this effect in, in the context of Alzheimer's? Yeah. So basically just studies um, mainly with MCT oil at this point, there've been a couple tiny studies with coconut oil that actually look good. And I wish more work was, would be done with um, coconut oil, but um, there's several different groups, probably not more than several, I'd say maybe eight or nine groups now that have done um, an MCT oil study. And they, um, they're getting, the studies are getting bigger and bigger. They usually start with a pilot study. So they'll do maybe 20 people and then they get up to 60 something people like the medical food. It, it was called Axona for a while. I think the name of it's going to change soon, but it's, and they're, they're studying it. Um, they, their second study was 152 people. So that was a pretty good number. And then some people are combining they're looking at the difference of um, using MCT oil with and without a ketogenic diet. And uh, so there's one group in um, at University of Kansas, Kansas City, that are they did a pilot study of 15 people with Alzheimer's using a ketogenic diet that contains MCT oil, and they had good results with that. So now they're, I believe, in progress. Pandemic threw everything off. <laughs> But they're planning or they may be in the middle of an 80 person study now with the MCT oil ketogenic diet. And, you know, so it is better. It is better. You do get higher levels um, if you can do a low carb diet with it. And the high carbs, it's so bad for Alzheimer's. Um, I've been uh, writing a, a new book that focuses more on Alzheimer's again. And um, they even the Alzheimer's Association, the last few years, they've been reporting that they believe 30% of cases of Alzheimer's could be avoided just through lifestyle changes. What about um, cooking with coconut oil? I know you're cooking it, denaturing it and all that, but does that have any beneficial effect or do you have to have it where it's not cooked? Yeah, no, you can cook with it and it doesn't really, cooking doesn't affect it unless it starts to smoke. If the oil starts to smoke, then then it's affected. But if it's not smoking, it's still good. It retains those MCTs. And um, so if you cook it like low to low medium heat, like um, I my, my um, dial on my stove goes up to nine. Uh, if I keep it at four or under, it doesn't smoke. If you get up to five or six, then it will smoke. You can put it in the oven up to 350 degrees Fahrenheit. Gotcha. And um, uh, above that, it, it may smoke and it might ruin it. But so you can't. It, it, it's it. supposed <laughs> to have the proper cognitive effects still, even when you cook yes. it. Yes. Yeah. And, so and that would solve oil. the horrible yeah. taste part. If you make some chicken with coconut yeah. oil, oh, and, yeah. you know, it can be good. Yeah. Well, coconut oil doesn't taste bad. It's just a bland, you know, it, I, I think, you know, most people don't, don't think it perceive it as having a taste. It has kind of a texture, I guess, if you ate it straight, but eating it in foods is really the, the way to go. And coconut oil, it tends to melt around uh, room temperature, around 75, 76 degrees. So putting, if you put it in something cold, it will chunk up, it'll turn into chunks. But if you put it in something warm, it melts like almost right away. So there's so many different things you can do with it. Um, you can, I, I cook eggs in it all the time. I scramble eggs. I do. But cooking with ketone esters is a whole different story. That's going to be. Yeah, that one, problem. that one you probably could not cook with. I think that would ruin it potentially. And my, my husband actually eventually got to be a clinical trial of one person with a ketone ester. We did publish that too. Oh. 
was published in a journal called Alzheimer's and Dementia. And um, nice. yeah, with Dr. Beach and Dr. Van Italy, we all, we, um, and a, a couple of other people involved in, in his lab there. And, um, and Steve had a, you know, it was at a point, it was a couple of years after we started the coconut oil and he was starting to have some symptoms again, that like some worsening. And so Dr. Beach said, you know, this would be a good time to do the study because they had finished toxicity testing and found that it was safe. And so Steve um, started taking it and um, it turned him around uh, within like 24 hours. He was doing some things he couldn't do the day before. And yeah, I, like he was having trouble. <laughs> he would put clothes on backwards and all weird stuff like that started happening. And um, he was having trouble. He needed like started needing step-by-step instruction to get through taking a shower and shaving. You know, I had to stand there and tell him, okay, now do this, now do this. That completely went away in 24 hours. He was back to wow. automatically being able to do things. And just a, a couple of other things over a few weeks got better. What did he tell you? Because you, you'd get some interesting insights into the mind of a person that's going through this. Like what, yes. what kind of things? Yes. How do you describe it at various points? Yeah, he. there were some interesting things I learned about Alzheimer's because of this. When I was writing my first book, I actually interviewed Steve. <laughs> we spent several hours talking about what it's like to have Alzheimer's. And huh. in a heat, I mean, there were times, for example, when he couldn't taste food. He'd be eating. He couldn't taste it. And, you know, some people with Alzheimer's, you know, they get to a point where they basically kind of quit eating. They're not eating well. They lose weight, tremendous amounts of weight. You know, sometimes they're just skinny as a rail, you know, getting towards the end. And um, well, if I couldn't taste any food, it would make it very hard to eat it. You know, Exactly. Exactly. And then there, there was one time that this actually happened when we were together and he was, uh, we had traveled and um, it was a three hour time difference. And we got up like three hours later than usual. And he hadn't had his coconut oil yet. He was a mess. He was shaking, you know, he had the tremors and um, we were like in a restaurant, you know, in the hotel. And he, it was like, he had claustrophobia. He had this panic attack, you know, and he said, he just felt like he was in a box and he couldn't taste the food. It, it just really weird with the tremor. And then you know, I gave him the coconut. I thought, oh shit, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I had to do that. And um, so I uh, gave that to him and probably within 20 minutes, he kind of came back again and, you know, and then he was able to tell me about this, you know, wow. uh, how That's he was fast feedback. That's crazy. It is. Yeah. Hmm. And then, you know, the thing with his gait, you know, he talked about what it was like you know, the reason why he had kind of regressed, like when visiting our family, why he wasn't talking much to them is he was afraid of what would come out of his mouth. He said he didn't think he was going to say the right words. And that was something I kind of noticed, too, that when I would talk to him, it was like we we're on two different wavelengths. His response wasn't appropriate to what I was saying to him. But somehow he was aware that that was happening, that he wasn't saying what he really wanted to say or meant to say. Um and, uh, but that, that was something that he noticed that that did improve, you know, after he started the coconut oil. So there were just different things like that. Some of it was physical things too. He used to, he would have these episodes, even you know, before he was diagnosed, you know, we had no idea what was going on at that point. He would just suddenly have like his heart rate would go up and he felt like he had to lay down 
or he would faint, you know, he just suddenly had to lay down. It was almost a little bit like a panic attack, but it would, nothing would set it off. It would just happen. And sometimes it would happen two or three times a day. And sometimes it wouldn't happen for two weeks. And um, we found out that he had, um, uh, when, when he passed away, he donated his brain to, and we found out that he had Alzheimer's and also Lewy body dementia, which some similarities to Parkinson's disease, but that's where the tremors, the stiffness, that kind of thing came from. And it could cause this sympathetic nervous system reaction that he was having, you know, so that kind of explained that, but those that went away, you know, um, that was something that went away and never came back after he started the ketones. Huh. which was rather interesting, but so how um, long did he, how long did, did he live? He lived, um, he died in 2016. So he lived for eight more years past starting the coconut oil and about 50, almost 15 years past when we started noticing symptoms. So he exceeded the life expectancy there, you know, by quite a bit. People that get Alzheimer's early tend to die more quickly. It tends to progress more quickly than many elderly people. So um, I do feel like it added, I would say, three and a half to four better years, better quality than the year before we started the coconut oil, you know, between uh, the coconut oil and the ketone ester then. Yeah, that's um, great. Yeah, that it improves quality of life and that probably did extend his life, you know, very significantly. And, and um, you know, when he passed away, the sad thing was his body was like in perfect shape. I mean, he was yeah. still a, a good weight. Uh, but his brain, you know, his brain, ultimately Alzheimer's did get him. And, um, but he was quite advanced, you know, when we started doing this, um, Alzheimer's has seven stages. In the last stage, you really can't do anything for yourself. It's it's almost like being a newborn where every single bodily function has to be taken care of. And there, people are bed bound. I mean, they're in bed, they can't get up and walk or anything. Um, and eventually they stop eating. They, they forget how to chew and swallow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So eventually it gets to that point, but, you know, they often become emaciated, you know, because they just aren't eating. And Steve had just a perfectly normal body weight up to the very end. Wow. Well, it sounds like, you know, this helped him a lot and he did better than yeah. most. And uh, Yeah. So what, what's your goal now? Who do you want to help and how? Everybody, everybody. And I want, I want to help people prevent you know, prevent it. That's why like the, the book I'm writing, working on now is more, I haven't come up with a for sure name of it yet, but um, it's in progress. And, you know, these lifestyle factors, you know, that are related to Alzheimer's healthy diet, <laughs> a poor diet is, is probably the number one factor and why people might develop Alzheimer's and it's the high sugar. It's the tendency to develop diabetes, insulin resistance, which is extremely common, like three quarters of people by age 75, either have diabetes or pre-diabetes. So it's that common. And, um, you know, I've been reading um, intensively about um, the pathology, the abnormalities that are going on in the brain, you know, how each cell is affected in the brain. And there are these plaques, tangles, these abnormal things that happen, there's inflammation in the brain. And almost all of it can be connected in one way or another to insulin resistance decreases. Yeah, I've heard uh, Alzheimer's is like insulin resistance for the brain or yeah. type three diabetes. Essentially. Yeah. Di- sometimes they call it diabetes of the brain or type three diabetes. Yeah. And it starts in particular areas of the brain where memories are formed, memory and learning, and it progresses eventually throughout the entire brain. 
this insulin resistance. It's just kind of a, so um, it, it could be microorganisms that are causing it. This is one, one area of study. They haven't really pinpointed what triggers this insulin resistance in the brain because um, not everybody that has Alzheimer's has diabetes. And um, one of the experts on this, who she's the one that coined type three diabetes as a term, her name is Dr. Suzanne Delamani. You know, she basically said that any organ, you know, like people, when you think, okay, you've got diabetes, all of your organs are affected. Well, not necessarily. She said, like, you might have it involving your liver, but not another organ in your body. So you can have the brain affected, but not other organs, you know, which is really quite interesting to think about that. You know, basically, it's it's a problem of getting sugar into cells. So you can have plenty of sugar in your body and your blood. And your cells are starving in certain areas. And that's what's happening in Alzheimer's. The cells just are not getting glucose or not getting fuel. So they can't make ATP. Well, what um, happens in uh, in someone's brain when they're starting to get Alzheimer's? What do the brain cells look like in terms of their preference for ketones or for uh, for sugar, I guess? Yeah. Because, so, of the um, insulin sorry, because of the insulin resistance, their glucose uptake is hindered. So they probably crave... Uh, ketones even more than a healthy brain. Yeah, they and um, so Dr. Kunane has, um, he's been able to look at, um, he said, if glucose and ketones are present, the brain prefers ketones, uh, which is interesting. And, you know, people do like, like, um, a lot of people with Alzheimer's crave sugar like crazy, you know, because their brain, I, I think it is because the brain thinks, knows it needs fuel. And, you know, so um, like my husband, before we started the coconut oil, he would eat so much fruit (laughs) in the evening, he would stand at the sink and eat one piece of fruit after another, after another, after another. And after we started the coconut oil, that stopped almost immediately. It was interesting. It was like, okay, maybe his brain's getting fuel now, you know, and his brain was probably craving um, that fast sugar that he could use. Yes. And, um, and I, way, way back, I started a thread on uh, this Alzheimer forum about that. I asked, do your people, any of you have somebody that craves sugar? And oh my gosh, I mean, there were people like they had never eaten sweets much in their life. And they started eating donuts and constantly wanting all the sweet food. You think that there is a connection there. And, um, you know, but, but, you know, people don't know about a lot of people, you know, most people probably still don't know about ketones as a fuel for the brain and how they can get it much less how they can get it and but there are some other you know like um some of the other lifestyle factors that can affect all alzheimer's are exercise like um getting enough exercise versus not getting any exercise can make a big difference controlling high blood pressure is a really big one it's the number one risk factor for death you know premature death in the world and it can lead to cognitive impairment alzheimer's vascular dementia is can be worsened or it may even be caused in some cases by high blood pressure. So controlling, you know, finding out that you have it and controlling it, you know, is important, you know, like, um, I mean, uh, you know, most people probably only get their blood pressure checked when they go to their doctor's office. Well, if you don't go to your doctor, even once a year, you're not getting, you know, how do you know if you have high blood pressure? So that's something to find out, you know, and, and to control it if you have it. It can save all kinds of strokes and heart attacks and all that type of thing. So what's you your know. goal from, from here? Your new book is coming. Um, yeah. I, I'm, you know, um, just restate the focus of it and Lena will talk about it. 
Yeah, it's going to be focused um, on Alzheimer's and then um, the ketogenic approach as a kind of a primary approach because it addresses this insulin resistance problem, you know, and um, ketones are anti-inflammatory too. There's a lot of inflammation in the brain in Alzheimer's and, and with aging too. So, you know, and then I, I talk about these other lifestyle risk factors, but really stressing a ketogenic diet. And it doesn't, you know, like, it doesn't have to be like a, an extremely strict ketogenic diet, it just uh, enough to get ketone levels up. And then you can add to that by including MCT and coconut oil that really helps boost the levels up even with the ketogenic diet, you know, okay. it can get the levels higher and help sustain the level of ketones. Um, overnight fasting, you know, like if you don't eat for at least 12 hours, your ketone levels will start to go up. And then the longer you go past that, they'll go up a little bit more, a little bit more. So this thing about intermittent fasting um, is a good practice. So different things like that, you know, I'll be talking about in the book to help um, basically delay or maybe even prevent cognitive impairment, you know, as people get older and maybe help people that already have it, you know, maybe um, slow it down, reverse some of the symptoms as happened with my husband, and, uh, you know, but there, there's a lot that we can do, you know, um, to try to prevent it. And so that's the goal of my book is to try to teach people what they can do to try to prevent cognitive impairment as they age and, and hopefully prevent Alzheimer's too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, very good, Mary. What, where can people find out more about you? Where do they go? So I have a website. Uh, I have a lot of information on there. I have uh, several different pages on there, but uh, one is geared to Alzheimer's and dementia. And uh, the website is Coconut Ketones. So it's C-O-C-O-N-U-T-K-E-T-O-N-E-S.com, coconutketones.com. There's no Y in ketones. <laughs> People often misspell it. So that's, uh, you can get a lot of information about me. Uh, my books are on there. Uh, I have all kinds of videos. I have all kinds of written information that people can print out for free. That's how you can find out more about me. <laughs> okay. Oh, excellent. Well, Mary, it's a, a great story. I'm glad you were able to help your husband and get more years of yeah. enjoyment with him. And uh, thank you for being on the podcast. Ah, thank you so much, Richard. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.